everybody, Dr. Ron Eaker here. Welcome to another edition of Women's Online Wellness Podcast. Today's edition is a little bit different than the normal. I've got a talk that I did at St. Luke Methodist Church, and quite honestly, this is a something that I don't normally post on podcasts and social media, but I felt like it was very important for me to be authentic. One of my mentors has talked about the importance of putting everything out there, being authentic, being open about who you are and what you believe. So while this is not something directly related to women's health, it certainly is something that is related to health and wellness in general. So again, this is a bit of a departure. It's certainly a lot longer than I normally put out, but hopefully it's something that will mean something to you and will make you think. So without any further ado, here's my presentation at St. Luke Methodist Church. listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast, a podcast all about your health and wellness issues that affect you every day. We want to educate, entertain, and maybe make you giggle a little along the way. No annoying statistics or jargon here, just information you can use every day to be healthier, happier, and less boring. All right, here's your host, OBGYN Dr. Ron Eaker. I walked up here and I saw the height of this podium and uh, this, this, I decided I'm a little vertically challenged and I'm not sure I want to stand behind this stuff. So I hope I'm not breaking protocol because I'm probably going to venture out a little bit here. Uh, so I hope I'm not interfering with the normal way of doing things. If I, if I am, heck, I'm the one up here now, so I'm going to do it anyway, right? Right? Well, thank you so much, Marcia, for inviting me this morning. It, it truly is an honor. I remember, really, you and Phil way back years ago when my daughters were young and they were taking care of them in the nursery in the first and second grade. And quite frankly, I'm surprised she still speaks to me. So that, she, she garnished my respect early on. And Dr. Felder, thank you so much for allowing me to be share your pulpit this morning. I, I know it's difficult for pastors to give up their pulpit. It's almost like a politician giving up their checkbook. So I understand and I greatly appreciate the opportunity to be here and share with you this morning. You know, usually when I talk to groups, I talk to women by naturally by what I do. But one thing that I've realized is that in spite of there being differences between men and women, amen, <laughs> between differences when it comes to health and wellness, when it comes to some universal concepts with regards to our health and wellness, there's a lot of similarities, there's a lot of things that apply to both men and women. And I think it's incredibly important that when we start thinking about really wellness from a biblical perspective, now that may be a... a a, a real change for some of you. Maybe you don't think of health and wellness from a biblical perspective. Well, that's where I'm coming from today. And that's where I want to talk to you about today because I think that's a, a really key understanding and it's part of what I want to reflect as a physician because I didn't come to this naturally. 
And I think it's something that when you think about wellness from a biblical standpoint, you know, you think of Scripture as being the inspired Word of God. You think of it as being history. You think of it as being poetry, as prayer, as song. But do you really think of it from a perspective of health and wellness? Well, that's what I want to reflect with you today is how Scripture can be a guidebook. It can be guidance to us with regards to our health and wellness. Now, i got to tell you, when I, when I think about this whole concept, I get very humble. I get very uh, uh, understanding of, of where I come from because I come from a background where it's very easy not to be humble. When we think about our medical training and we think about how we're taught into this biomechanical mode of medicine, it's very different from what Scripture tells us. It's very different from this concept of mind, body, and spirit in wellness. And that's what I mean when I talk about the biblical mandate. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, I think to bear much healthy fruit then we have to abide in the Creator. We have to abide in Jesus who gives us the ability to do everything through Him. And I think that everything applies to our health and our wellness. And I want to illustrate this morning why Scripture can be a guidebook for our behaviors, for our thoughts, our feelings, and our emotions as it relates to our health and wellness. But you know, as I said, I really didn't get there right off the bat. When I think about my training, and I think this applies to a lot of physicians, we come from what we call the mechanical mode of medicine. That is, our job is to fix the machine when the machine breaks. If the machine's cogs breaks, we fix the cog. Not so concerned about what caused that cog to break in the first place, we just put that band-aid on. If I was out on my roof fixing the shingles, which if you know me, you knew that was not going to (laughs) happen. But just imagine if I was out on my roof. My wife's laughing. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. If I was out on the roof hammering in and putting shingles up, I'll be hammering along and bam, I'll hit my finger. Go downstairs and put a Band-Aid on it and go back upstairs and I'll be hammering away again and Bam! Hit my finger again. Go downstairs and put the Band-Aid on again. After about an hour, I've got Band-Aids all over my fingers. It's not great for a surgeon, by the way. But what I'm doing is I'm treating the symptom. I'm treating the problem. I'm not going to the, solu- to, to the underlying cause. And the underlying cause is I'm just a klutz. And until I fix that underlying cause, then I'm going to end up with Band-Aids. Just putting putting a temporary fix on the solution. Well, that's the mindset that I was trained in, and that's the mindset that a lot of physicians are trained in, is we just want to fix the problem. We don't want to look at the underlying issue. That all changed for me with the birth of my first child. I was an OB. I had probably delivered hundreds of babies up until that point. But this was the first time I was the daddy and not the doctor. I had gotten so 
comfortable with the mechanics of birth that I'd forgotten the miracle of birth. I was sitting in this room with my wife and the, and the, and the doctor. I was not the doctor. Believe me. My wife made very clear that that wasn't going to happen. But I'm sitting in there, and there are three of us in the room, and then in a matter of a second, there were four. And I realized at that moment that we're not just physical beings in a human body, but we're spiritual beings in a physical body. It goes much more beyond that mechanical mode. We're not just machines to be fixed. We're spiritual children of a Most High God. And I realized that if I truly believed in an omniscient, an all-knowing, a caring, and a healing physician, that I had to change the way I viewed what I did in the office every day. As a Christian, I was born into the Southern Baptist tradition. I kind of flunked out of Presbyterian, and now for about the last 30 years, I'm a recovering Methodist. But I realized if I believed in a healing God and an omniscient and omnipresent God, that that God was as much in my exam room as He was in this church. He was as much in the operating theater as He was in Bible study. I knew there had to be some way to bring those concepts together. Not this machine fixing the biomechanical mode, but understanding that when Jesus healed, He healed in mind, body, and spirit. And I had to understand that there's a way to do that in my practice. And that changed everything for me. That made a huge difference. Because I didn't really know how to do that. I didn't really understand how was I going to not just come in in the morning and hang God on the coat rack and then go about my business and pick Him up at the end and go home and compartmentalize that spiritual aspect of my life. If I knew that mind, body, and spirit, that intertwined approach was really the approach to health and wellness that mattered. And why did it matter? Because I found it in Scripture. Think about the great physician. Think about the person who healed every person he intended to. The only person in the history of the universe that's ever done that, Jesus. Think about the examples when he healed. Think about Matthew. Y'all remember the story of the paralytic. Jesus was in town. He was known by this point as being a great healer and a great teacher He was attracting crowds all around, and as he comes into this town, he goes into a home. That was his tradition, was to go into homes, and he was teaching the crowd, and it was so full. There was a group of men who had a friend who had been paralyzed, was on a pallet. He couldn't move. And they had heard about this healer, didn't know that much about him, but knew he was a great healer, so they decided in what was an amazing leap of faith as Let's take our friend to see if this healer could heal him of his affliction. But as they approach this house, they see the crowds, even the courtyard was full. So they knew that there was no way that they were going to get physically close to Jesus. And then they had a great idea. Let's just take him up to the roof 
lower him down. I mean, what kind of thinking? Isn't that amazing? Talk about outside the box. So they carry him up to this roof and they cut a hole in the thatch. I guess they'd just been from Home Depot and had their saw and they were able... I mean, you can imagine Jesus down there teaching and all this straw falling down on him as he's teaching, but they lower him down in front of Jesus' feet. But what did he do? He could have laid hands on, he could have spoke a word, he could have rose him at that point, but what did he do? You remember, he said, your sins are forgiven. Jesus knew he had to be healed spiritually or the physical healing was essentially inconsequential. It would mean nothing if he could get up and walk if he was spiritually crippled. You think about the story in John, uh, the, the pool at Bethesda. You all know this story. There was this fella who couldn't walk and was crippled and was gnarled and every single day of his life he would make his way to this pool because local lore said that angels would stir the water of the pool and the very first person into that pool would be healed. So his only hope, his only chance of being healed was to get to that pool. And not only to get to that pool, but be the first into the pool. But yet he's so gnarled and so disabled, he was unable to do that, had to depend on people to lift him up. So every single day he's going to this pool, every day, feeling frustrated, hopeless, sometimes even angry, I can imagine. Why me? So one day he's at the side of this pool just hoping that there's going to be someone who will help him in. And Jesus and the disciples walk by and he calls out. And again, Jesus could have laid on hands. He could have said any words and healed this individual. But he asked him a question. He said, do you want to be made well. He wanted to know where his head was. He wanted to know, was he ready to get out of this sick role? Was he ready to change his emotional state? He knew if he was not healed emotionally, if he was not healed in his mind, then whether or not he could walk was inconsequential. Jesus healed mind, body, and spirit. It's what I call the healing triad. So when it comes to health and wellness from a biblical perspective, it really requires a change in thought processes. It it calls a change in our paradigms. I want us to begin to think of our health not as me thinking, but as us thinking. And let me explain that. The more we learn about our our well-being, the more we understand it is related to our community. It's related to our relationships. It's not just us. No man is an island. No person lives in an envelope. And that applies to your health and wellness. I had a lady come into the office a while back. I mean, her, her life sounded like a bad country song. I mean, this poor gal... I mean, her husband was having an affair. Her daughter had just been found pregnant. Her son was in jail. Even her dog had the mange. I mean, 
she had it rough, and she comes in and says, Dr. Eaker, I am so depressed. It must be my hormones. I said, what? It's not your hormones. It's your life. You can't take it out of context. You can't separate where you are from your environment, whether that environment means just the people living in your house or whether it's community, whether it's neighborhood. You can't separate that out. The health of the individual is dependent on the health of the community. And the quicker we learn that and understand that, we become our brother's keepers, and that benefits us also. And there's no better example than what we're seeing in this community. That's what excites me so much about the Harrisburg Medical Clinic and the fruit and veggie, fruit and veggie prescription program that some of you are familiar with. What an amazing attempt to bring community together and to heal community which heals individuals. Amen. It's not me thinking, it's us thinking. Amen. If we begin to think about our relationships, as Jesus did, when he healed, he, he didn't just heal physically. He healed in the context of the community, of the relationships that he established and that others he touched established. The second thing is this idea of mind, body, and spirit. Wellness is not just ridding the body of disease. That's a good thing. But to be truly well, you need to be balanced in mind, body, spirit. It's like a three-legged stool. You cut off one of those legs and the stool's pretty useless. You all remember the little mobiles that hung over the baby cribs? They probably outlawed them now because of lawsuits and all that craziness. But when, when our kids were young, we had these little things that hung over the cribs where they, they would have like a giraffe or an elephant or a leopard and you'd pull on one and the other things would always move. That's the way this mind, body, and spirit concept goes. Unless you're balanced in each of those, you truly are not achieving health and wellness. One affects the other. So I want to take the last few minutes here and unpack this idea of mind, body, and spirit from a biblical perspective. Let's talk about mind. Romans 12.2, you all know this. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? By renewing of your mind. We all go through transformations. We all go through change. Life is about change. We can't escape it. And change can be scary, but this scripture tells us that change doesn't come about by getting a new job. Change doesn't come about by getting a raise. Change doesn't come about by changing relationships. Change comes about by what we think. Our thoughts become our actions. Our actions become our deeds. Our deeds become our character. And our character becomes our legacy. But it all starts with our thoughts. It all starts with our beliefs. So if that's the case, how do we change your thoughts? What good is knowing that unless you put it into action? Well, imagine that. Scripture tells us that too. Hard to believe. Philippians 4, 6, Paul tells us, don't worry about anything. Boy, I ought to plaster that on my refrigerator. I am telling you now, I am an awfulizer to the worst degree. 
Now, that's not bad for a surgeon because that way I've imagined every possible horrible thing that could happen before I go into that surgery. So that's a good thing. It's not a great thing as a husband or a parent. (laughs) Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank Him with anticipation for what He has done. For years and years, I had a patient who would come into the office for her yearly check. She had been a church organist for many years. That was her passion. That was her, almost her identity in many ways. She loved it and she was so good at it. And she gave such joy to people by being able to provide that every Sunday. At a relatively young age, she had a stroke. And it left her where she could still walk but she lost the use of her right arm, obviously couldn't continue playing the organ, and it severely limited her speech. So she would come into the office, and no matter what I asked her, her response was, pray much, no worry. How are you feeling today, Juanita? Pray much, no worry. Any problems we need to help with? Pray much, no worry. And inevitably, she would come in on days when I was really having a pity party. I was really feeling like, woe is me, and it should have been, woe, it's me. But I was having this pity party, feeling sorry myself, and there comes Juanita. Pray much, no worry. Two by four, upside the head. And I told her one day, I said, Juanita, you really are an angel sent by God. You come in here and tell me that exactly when I need to hear it, every time. And she was quiet for a second, and she looked up at me and said, get a discount? (laughs) I knew she was sandbagging me the whole time. Pretty much, no worry. One way to renew your mind is to pray much and not to worry. Philippians 4.8, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are lovely and pure and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I wish they would put in parentheses, turn off CNN and MSNBC. Right behind that. Hippocrates, the father of medicine, said it's not so important what disease has the man. It's more important what kind of man has the disease. Your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. There's a whole branch of science called psychoneuroimmunology, which looks at nothing but how your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions impact things like your immune system, those little white blood cells that run around in your bloodstream and gobble up bad stuff like Pac-Man. I mean, some of the younger people are going, Pac-Man? What the heck is Pac-Man? But we know that being angry, being upset, being frustrated actually makes your immune system work less efficiently. So if you get mad at your spouse or you have a problem at work, not only are you going to feel bad, but you're more likely to get a cold. 
So we know your thoughts and your emotions can markedly impact a whole variety of issues. How many understand the placebo effect? You know what a placebo is. It's just a sugar pill. But in virtually every single study look, looking at drugs or other types of activities, to make sure they're effective, they have to have an arm of people in the study taking a placebo or taking a sugar pill. Why? Because a substantial number of people in virtually every study taking the placebo get better. Even in cancer chemotherapy studies, there's a certain percentage of people that get better because they think they're going to get better. It's not hocus-pocus. It's not crazy. The thoughts you have can impact your physiology. It begins with your thinking. It transforms by renewing your mind. What's the number one thing that interferes with our healthy thinking? Stress. Stress is the illness of the 20th century, 21st century now. We all have it. Stress is simply a perception of a real or a false or imagined danger. Notice I said a perception. It is a thought. There's not a bunch of little microbe stresses running around ready to jump off and land in your system. It is a belief system. One person's stress is another person's opportunity. I'll never forget. I had a lady come into the office, was 62 years old, in great health. She was getting ready after the exam to leave, and she goes, Oh, Dr. Eka, I forgot. I need my birth control pill. I said, Sally, uh, don't think you need that right now. And she said, oh, I do. I need it for stress. I said, oh, maybe we need to be testing some other things besides stress right now. I was really concerned. You're 62. You're asking for a birth control pill for stress. I'm not sure that's exactly what you need. And she says, oh, yes, it is. Every morning I get up, I go downstairs, I drop that pill in my granddaughter's orange juice, and I am stress-free. One person's stress is another person's opportunity. <laughs> that really happened. All right, what about body? Mind, body, spirit. What about body? 1 Corinthians 6.19. Paul tells us, Oh, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and it was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So honor God with your body. Let me say that again. Honor God with your body. You know, i got a wonderful family. But they're a little wacky. I've got one aunt that I just love to death, but she's kind of dingy. She found out that I was working in weight loss as part of what I do in my practice, and 
she got all excited because she'd been to her doctor and he had put her on this weight loss program and she was all thrilled about the results she was getting, but she was complaining to me saying, Ron, I tell you, this, this diet is about to kill me. I said, well, what, what does he have you doing? You see, what, he's got me eating normal one day and then skip a day and then eat low calorie one day and skip a day and then eating low carb one day and skip a day. She said, the, the eating's not that bad. It's all the skipping that's killing me. <laughs> My family get-togethers are a real trip, I can tell you that. God cares about your body. If you are a parent or a grandparent, I'm going to, I'm going to say something now that, that, that should scare you to death. We are living in the first generation in the history of this country where the children may die before their parents, where the children may have a shorter lifespan than the parents. And one of the major reasons for that is the epidemic of childhood obesity that we're facing in this country. We're going to get real here for a minute. 50 to 60 percent of kids under 12 are overweight. Seventy percent of those kids will become overweight adults. We are facing a tsunami of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, stroke, Alzheimer's. If we don't get real with our commitment to making our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit, to understanding that our bodies are there to glorify God, we're going to face moral and financial bankruptcy in this country in 20 to 30 years. There's something that you hear time and time again, and you probably get sick of hearing it. But it doesn't make it any less true. It's like if you woke every morning and turned over to your spouse and said, the sky is blue. The next day you got up and say, the sky is blue. The next day the sky is blue. They're going to get sick of hearing that the sky is blue, but is it mean the sky is now green? There are two keys to a healthy lifestyle. Being active and good nutrition. That's it. That's one of those drop the mics. <laughs> I could just leave now. It's over. And let me give you a real quick I love when I go and talk to folks to, to never be able to say that you left without some practical information. So I'm going to give you a real quick pearl on the exercise part. The quickest way to get active from a healthy standpoint is what we call walk. W-A-L-C. Doctors can't spell. <laughs> the W stands for wind sprints. Now that doesn't mean like we used to when we grew up in high school and we would go out and run back and forth as fast as we can and then throw up and then do it again and then throw up. That's not what I'm talking about. If you're a walker, if you're a biker, if you just like to sit in a chair and move your arms, wind sprints means for every five minutes that you're doing something, pick up your pulse or pick up your pace for, five, for 30 seconds. That's all. If you're out walking, just for 30 seconds, every five minutes, pick up your pace. And it's amazing the difference that'll make. Simple, simple, simple. The A stands for aerobic. Make sure that you're doing something that's getting that oxygen flowing in your bloodstream. If you're walking, make sure you're not out of breath. 
because then you're not into aerobic. Aerobic means with oxygen. And I don't care where you are in your life, whether you can't walk, whether you can... There are videos now for people who are chair-ridden, who are bedridden and can't get out of their chairs that can still be active. The L stands for lift weights. Again, I'm not talking about being what Arnold Schwarzenegger used to be, (laughs) not what he is now. I'm not talking about bulking up. I'm talking about building muscles because muscles are your better butter burners. That's where you burn fat. You don't burn fat by putting cellophane and wrapping up and sitting in some hot room. (laughs) That's an image you probably don't even want to go to. But you burn it through building muscle. And then C is cross-train. If all you do is walk all the time, well, do something a little different. Maybe swim. Go over here to the Croc Center and get in the pool. If you ride bikes, walk sometime. Just do something different. It fuels the body. The body's amazingly able to adapt. So you kind of got to keep it fooled. You kind of got to keep it where it's off balance. Nutrition. I'm going to collapse 30 years of nutritional results in one sentence. Eat real food. (laughs) Just eat less of it. Low saturated fat, low sugar, high fiber. That's it. If you'll do that, you're going to be a lot healthier starting tomorrow. Practical knowledge makes a difference. Knowledge is wisdom, but the application of knowledge gets you results. What about spirit? Romans 12.1 And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will accept. When you think of what He has done for you, is this too much to ask? You know, the healing, of the, the healing tradition of the church goes way back. I mean, think about all the examples in Scripture of physical, emotional and spiritual healing. That's been foundational to our belief system from the very beginning. You think about the healing tradition throughout the centuries. Virtually every hospital, every mode of healing stemmed from a religious source. You think about the denominations that started the major hospital systems throughout this country. You think about the founder of Methodism, John Wesley. Many of you don't know that when he came to the U.S. and did a lot of his evangelism, he did it as a lay physician. He did it as a part of a healing ministry. He actually wrote a textbook on medicine for the lay person. So we have a long tradition in the church of balancing mind, body, and spirit. But we've kind of fallen away from that to some degree. We've lost some of that with the onset of modern medicine and the enlightenment and the separation between this compartment of medicine and this compartment of spirituality. We can't bring those two together. And we've lost that connection. You know, for years and centuries, actually, the healer in the community was often also the spiritual leader. 
Well, we've lost that to agree. But you know what's exciting is we're starting to see that come back. The pendulum is swinging the other way now. Amen. But what's fascinating, it's not the church that's leading the charge. It's science. Amen. We are seeing an explosion now of studies in the medical community looking at the impact of our spiritual beliefs, our religiosity, and how that impacts our physical and emotional health. A friend of mine from Duke has actually compiled studies in a thing called the the Encyclopedia of Religion and Health. Who would have thought that that would ever even had a place in this modern world, but it has over a thousand studies looking at how our thoughts and our beliefs and our religious affiliations and our attendance in church and our communities impacts our health and wellness. And the vast majority of them show an amazingly positive impact. Religious people tend to live longer. And there's a number of different reasons for that. One of the most common reasons that's brought out which goes back to my initial point, is community. People who are in religious communities, whether it's a church or whether it's an organization or whether it's a neighborhood, care about each other. They care about each other and their physical health, their well-being emotionally. And it's that bond, that binding that brings people together that helps their physical health. People who are in community, people who have social contacts, have lower blood pressures. I mean, even to that level. Mind, body, and spirit. You know, in many instances, health is not a choice. Sometimes we're dealt cards that we have no control over. But many times... Health is a choice. I'll never forget reading an article in the Wall Street Journal a few years back where a reporter went out and found brothers. One brother had become very high in the church hierarchy, and another brother was homeless and an alcoholic. And he interviewed them separately, delving into what transformed their lives, what made a difference in their lives, why they were almost what you would call polar opposite And he asked questions to both, and he asked both the same question, why do you think your life turned out the way it was? And the church official looked at him and said, well, my father was an alcoholic. What do you expect? And they asked the homeless fellow the same question. And he said, well, my father was an alcoholic. What do you expect? One person's opportunity for development was another's excuse for failure. Now that's oversimplification. There's a lot of factors that come into play. My point is you have choices. I think I've got a $20 bill. How many of you would like this $20 bill? Let me just see you raise your hand. See a lot of you. Yeah, and the ones who aren't raising their hand are lying. Because <laughs> you, like, you would like this 20 
What if I took it and I crumbled it up? You'd still probably want it. How many would like it? Yeah, okay. Smart folks. What if I threw it on the ground and I stepped on it and I got it all crinkly and dirty? Yeah, a lot of smart folks here. The reason you still want it is because it still has its value. No matter what I do to it, no matter how beat up it is, no matter how dirty it is, no matter how crumpled up it is, it still has its value. The same thing applies to you. No matter how beat up you are, no matter how dirty you are, no matter how crumpled up you are, you still have value because each one of you is a son or daughter of a most whole guy. No matter your circumstances, you'll never lose that value. God has planted a seed in each one of your hearts. And if you'll water it with the Word, fertilize it with faith, and nourish it with fellowship, it's going to grow into the most beautiful, healthy you God intended. Thank you for listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast. To join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content, join our private Facebook community by sending a request to Women's Online Wellness. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or to get more information, email Dr. Eaker at r-e-a-k-e-r at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, choose to be healthy.